Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Chance Butler. Chance, are you ready to do this? I am, George. Excellent. Let's do it. Chance is the founder of Investing Under 35. He's an investment expert, and I am excited to have you on. Chance, tell us a little bit about your personal life, your professional background, and why you do what you do. Excellent. Thank you for having me, George. And just right off the top here, I'm going to say a quick disclaimer because I am a registered investment advisor, so I'm a fiduciary. So please don't take anything I say here as personal one-on-one investment tax or legal advice. Uh, if, if, if I do say a company's name, it's just to uh, illustrate and to educate. Fair so, enough. Yeah, thank you, George. And just to get started here, I'm going to actually start with the why I do what I do. And that is because uh, it kind of goes in with how I got my name, Chance. When I was born, I was given a a 50-50 shot at living. And growing up, I've just always kind of wanted to do the things I want to do now instead of waiting because, you know, no one's guaranteed to make it in in life. You know, some people are going to live to 30, 40, 50, and a lot of the – investment advice is geared towards your 60s and 70s and there's a big disconnect so just a a little bit more about me my personal life i grew up in seattle uh, grew up on the ocean sailing with my parents and moved to arizona a couple years ago with my wife jen and we have two dogs and one son gideon We've been married for six years, and we've just been really enjoying the desert and the desert life and meeting new people and getting to know a, a, a new state. Well, that's awesome, man. It's definitely an adjustment from uh, living next to the ocean, but hopefully you guys are enjoying it. We are. From your perspective, tell us about an area that if people were able to make an improvement would give them the greatest return or opportunity to be successful. So this is something that my generation, the the millennial generation, is really missing out on, and that's what they're investing in. So a a lot of us, you know, lived through the the Great Recession, and we saw parents and loved ones and grandparents possibly lose a lot of money, even jobs. Um, It caused just a lot of uncertainty and anxiety. So that's translated to my generation uh, investing mostly in cash or very conservative securities. So we need to really change that and get back to investing in stocks because over a long term, stocks are the best growth asset. And my generation is missing out on that. Got it. So just because they saw their parents go through potentially horrible thing and maybe made some bad decisions, they're maybe being a little bit more conservative than they should be based on how long they have. Exactly. And let me just add a quick story. So one of my family members, um, you know, had an investment account, right? And they were invested all in stocks pretty much. And um, they called their their financial advisor in, in air quotes up and you know, they said, you know, do, do you think I should sell right now? 
And the advisor said that, oh, they sold months ago and now now's not the time to sell. You know, so why why didn't they sell, you know, my family members' assets when they sold theirs? So that's that's why I love being a fiduciary. And the uh, being a fiduciary just means that I always act in the best interests of my clients at all times ahead of my own. So when I'm I'm placing those trades and giving advice, I'm doing it in my clients' accounts first and my personal accounts always second. Got it. Okay. Nice. Well, maybe this is going to what we were just talking about, but what do you think keeps people up at night? There's a lot of things that keep people up at night. Uh, it's a lot of a lot of the things I run into. Um, people are just really afraid of the stock market and investing in general because they don't understand it. They, you know, you can make it all the way to a PhD. You can become a doctor. And you don't have to take a single personal finance class in our educational system. So when somebody talks to them about the stock market, which is really just businesses, they don't have any knowledge or experience to understand how the economy works and how those businesses operate in our economy. And so you think that that lack of knowledge maybe keeps people from having a good night's sleep? It, 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 it's, 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 it's cause for concern? Yeah, it's a big cause for concern. People are so afraid of of making that investment. I know people who, you know, will buy something and will sell it like five minutes later because they're afraid of, of losing their money. And if they would take some time to educate themselves on what a business is and how they run, or if they take the time to develop a relationship with a financial advisor, they can trust that advisor to to do that for them, make those decisions for them. And then they don't have to worry about that. They can just go about their life and enjoy their life. And that's one of the things I focus on in my practice is that, you know, I want my clients to enjoy their lives. So let me do, you know, let me do the investing for you. You've already made your best investment in your skill set. So I want you to use your skill set to go make money, enjoy your life with your family and friends, and I'll do the investing for you. Got it. Well, I think that that makes sense. And that, again, I think plays really nicely into the next question, which is what is currently difficult for a lot of people to do that, if it were possible, would make all the difference? And before, before you answer, I remember – just very recently having a conversation with somebody and the topic of what the average investor is really getting in a rate of return standpoint year over year. It's a, a Dalbar study that comes out every year and it's right around 5%. And I think that a lot of the time people end up not exactly are not able to hit their investing goals just because of all the different biases that we have. If it's overconfidence or if it's just a matter of we're nervous, so we're procrastinating, all of those things. So it almost sounds like if people were able to go and engage with a professional, that that would probably help them along the way. Yes, I agree 100%. So it's interesting that the study lists about 5%. Um, It depends if they factor in expenses or not. But... Yeah, the the 100-year average on owning just like say the the market, which is the S&P 500, people 
people say that's the market. Um, the the 100-year average is about 8% a year, year over year over year. You'd, you'd average about 8% a gain every year. So 5% um, is really – you really want to focus on two things when you're investing. The, the time you have in the market because – when you're buying the when you're buying stocks, you're really just giving your money a job. So the the more time you you work at, at your job, what what paycheck you get, right? The the more money you make over your lifetime. It's the same thing for your investments. They're working for you. So the longer they work for you, the more money you hopefully make. And then the second most important thing about that study is is probably the the cost, right? So the, the cost of investing over, especially over long periods of time, will greatly reduce your gains. So one of the best things that that investors can do is just go into your accounts, you know, whether it's a, an IRA, a 401k, and look at the costs that you're paying to own your investments. And one, one of my favorite things that I, I tell clients is that I like to stay very focused and I love owning some individual companies because I don't have to pay, you know, I, I don't have to pay to own them. I only pay one time when I purchase the company, right? And then they pay me to own them. That's the, that's that dividend, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just, you really want to focus on reducing the cost of your investments. Do you think that most people understand that? I, I think it's, it's getting to the point that a lot of people do, yes, but there's a lot of people who don't understand exactly what their what the cost of their investments is because they're wrapped up in very complicated products like insurance products. Um, you know, everyone knows hedge funds are wildly expensive, but a lot of people don't know about 401ks, and you know, they a 401k is a very expensive way to to invest sometimes. Um, you know, they average maybe about 3% um, expense, expenses just to have them in the 401k. And 401ks and the similar products are, are very – they're very expensive because they park higher mutual funds and, and funds in there. So you, it's not very visible. And that's, that's an industry um, problem that we've seen for, for quite a while. Yeah, it does seem like with the advent of things like robo-advisors and low-cost ETFs and things like that, that the cost of actually investing in things that are other than individual stocks of companies is getting driven down, which is probably to the benefit of the average investor that's out there. Huge benefit to the average investor, huge negative for the companies that, that make the money off of them. Um, but yeah, you're, you're generally right. Um, robo advisors, um, they have driven the cost down, but some of them park pretty expensive funds in there. And, um, you just have to really look at the fees no matter where you're investing and really understand. Certainly best to, or a good policy rather to, to understand how much everything costs in a portfolio, how much it costs inside of your IRA, inside your 401k. All those things. What conversations do you think that people avoid having in terms of investing or financial planning in general? A lot of people just avoid money in general because they're embarrassed um, by their spending 
or they they know they should have been investing a long time ago or they just really don't have a, a knowledge to to speak to to investing or money in general so i see people um very embarrassed by by poor spending habits and i just want to let everyone know that you know that everyone makes mistakes even your financial advisors can make mistakes right i had what's called lifestyle creep and that means that you know we i'm i'm living in a certain lifestyle and suddenly my income increases quite a bit and instead of bettering my financial situation i spent a lot of it and that's very out of character for me and it should you know i should have invested that and i i didn't and that was a big mistake it does seem that that talking about money is one of the only topics that is still taboo with politics it seems like well it seems like it used to be that you don't talk religion and politics at a cocktail party but now it sure <laughs> seems like all anybody wants to talk about is politics and which team that they're on and i think that we got over the whole religion thing some years ago and i also think that now with everything that's going on in hollywood we're more accustomed or more comfortable talking about sex than we ever have been so now money is the last piece that people really avoid talking about and it's obviously such a such a personal thing because money plays such a large role in our lives so I think that that makes a lot of sense. Well, in, in the spirit of that, what what conversations do think do you think that people need to be having? That's an excellent question and I've actually just been reading a a book on this called The Opposite of Spoiled by Ron Lieber and this book uh, is all about teaching your kids about money and having those tough money conversations that come up. So I'm a huge proponent on money advice needs to start at home and it needs to start with an allowance, right? And because that's really a, a child's first interaction with money. And it's really, it's not meant to, to teach a, a child how to, how to work to get money is to teach them good money habits and to learn how to be patient to learn you know that we don't spend all of the money that we that we get and you know a, a financial advisor is perfect for this especially a fiduciary if if uh, if a fiduciary you know is a, a good fiduciary will jump at the opportunity to help you learn how to educate your children about money and the opposite is true. It's a huge red flag to me if, if your financial advisor will not take the time to educate you and your family. That's a huge red flag to me. That tells me that you know their heart's not really in it. They're probably in this job just for the money. I think that, that certainly makes sense. I wanted to talk a little bit about if we don't change our habits because fundamentally – I think it's about changing a bad habit to a good habit. I don't know that it's very easy just to get rid of a bad habit. I think you need to replace it with something else. So what, instead of just talking about if nothing changes, what's likely to happen, let's talk about what changes you think that they most need to be making. What what new habits do you think would really most benefit people? Yeah, this is a great question. So new new habits... I'm a big fan of money takes action and habit forming takes action as well. So one of my favorite habits to get into is automatic, you know, automatic savings 
let's make that choice one time, put it on automatic, and then you, you build a habit that way, you know, kind of in, in the background. And that really helps um, take it out of the picture, but you're building that habit in the background. And one of the other habits that I love um, that my clients to really focus on is lifestyle choices, right? We can, we can all go out, you know, to Starbucks, grab that $5 coffee. And I love that, right? I love, if that's something my clients enjoy doing, uh, you know, I will never make them feel guilty about spending that $5 a week or a day at Starbucks. Cause that's something that's bringing value to their life. Maybe it's time spent with friends. That's a great habit to get into. Uh, you know, a, a habit can have a, a positive positive impact on your life, and you can spend the money at the same time. How do people get started if they've maybe never never had a financial advisor that they've worked with? How how does somebody get started with that? So the getting started is. I would encourage people that if they've never done any type of investing and they don't have any type of, of background knowledge on it, I would truly suggest that you seek out a financial advisor. Financial advisors can have a, a truly profound impact on their clients' lives. And you really need to find a fiduciary. So fiduciaries are employed by what's called a, a registered investment advisor firm. So just going to FINRA, you can see if they're, they're a, a registered investment advisor, and that tells you that they're held to the fiduciary standard. And you also want to look for certain designations and, and certifications because those hold the, the designee to a much higher standard um, of ethical behavior. So those are, you know, the CFA, CFP, um, and a lot of the other ones from the College of Financial Planning is a great institute, something like a, a chartered retirement planning counselor. Really look, take, take the time to look up those designations and really understand the effort it takes to get those when you're selecting your advisor. So like you, if, yeah, you, you really just need to, to find an advisor, though, is, is the key. Excellent, excellent. Well, Chance Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Excellent. I was, love this. My difference-making tip is that time is the most important factor in investing. So you need to get started right now. Um, so even, you know, I'm in my 30s, people in their 40s and 50s and 60s, we actually have more investment potential than, say, Warren Buffett because he's, you know, 87, 88 this year. You know, hopefully we'll be here a lot longer and securities have a positive bias, which means the longer you hold securities, the better opportunity you have of making money. So the, the time is now to act. Well, that is great stuff and that definitely warrants a come on. Come on. So Chance, thank you for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? I'm pretty easy to find, and thank you for having me. My website is investingunder35.com, and my email is chance at investingunder35.com. So if you're listening to this, uh, I'd love to hear from you.
Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Chance your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Thank you again, Chance. Thank you, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!